Assalamu alaikum, guten tag everyone, and uh, welcome, welcome. And uh, make sure that we have uh, microphones muted, and inshallah we can, we can get started. Um, so let me go ahead and put the share screen on so we can see the first slide, and we'll take it from there. So we'll just, we'll start right here. So we've looked at the image of imagery of the mirror and the shadow play a lot. And we'll continue with that right now in this first slide. So the imagery of the mirror, uh, Ibn Arabi, very, very far onwards in about page 6,000 or somewhere, he begins to uh, uh, lose a little bit of his inhibitions and he just is going to tell us directly what's going on. So he says, Huck looks at the mirror. The mirror is mineral, horse, angel, human. You are the image. And then he says, clearer than this, I cannot be. <laughs> so that's, uh, this is the clear metaphor of the, of the mirror. So mirrors are minerals, horses, angels, humans. They are letters. They are all kinds of beings. They're all kinds of entities. And this, and these, we'll be looking at these ideas of minerals and plants, animals, humans, spirits, and onwards. So that's the imagery of the mirror. And what it tells us is that there is a radiating uh, light that emanates from the divine. And it hits this reflecting or polished surface, this mirror or polished surface. And then when it hits the polished surface, every, every uh, image is made on the other side. And so the image that's making the image is in the unseen, and the image that is made is in the seen. And the radiating light hits the mirror and has a physical effect on this mirror. This goes back to Ibn Arabi talking about kun fayakun, be and it is, and it becomes. And he says that this is the first word, and word is kalima, and kalima is the word kulma, which is the word wounding. So what happens is that the word wounds us. So when we get wounded by this powerful imperative be, and we become, we also carry with us a wound from that. Just the way the mirror and the polished surface gets hit by this light and has to bend and, uh, and, and, and shiver with the absorption of this tremendous light. We've looked at the metaphor and the imagery of the shadow play. So this radiating light, this projection, this project, projector, radiates onto the puppet, which is behind the screen. And this puppet, which is behind the screen, gets the heat of this light. It actually warms up. Uh, it becomes warmer through the night as the shadow play is taking place. And then a image is cast onto a screen, onto a, uh, to a fabric. And so again, the light is coming from the unseen, it's, arrive, it's hitting something which is also unseen, and it's arriving in the seen world as a shadow. And so the, the seen world is coming from the unseen world, or the unseen world is emanating 
into the scene world. And now with this slide, we're seeing Ibn Arabi talking about speaking, the metaphor of speaking as another way of describing what's going on in the world at all times. So this, the speaking is that from the unseen, a breath comes. So this is from the unseen chest. And we talked about sadr means this center and means chest, but primarily it means the first thing that's confronted the first front that gets that gets hit, that's your chest. That's the in, and that's on the inside. And this first place that gets hit with the breath is deep inside and therefore unseen. And this breath then goes through the mouth and goes out. So what is unseen emanates into what is seen. And it passes as it goes through every one of these places in the throat and the mouth and teeth uh, and in grammar we talk about dentals labials linguals palatials or whatever they're called uh, gutturals all these different words for describing where the letter has passed through so the breath is passing through all these configurations and then one configuration holds it and says this is going to be this kind of letter and it comes out with that sound so with speaking, just as with the mirror and the shadow play, from the unseen, a breath emanates, comes out into the scene through passing, in a sense, the puppets of the throat, the puppets of the mouth. And so we are somewhere in that one of our entities is, is each of these places in our mouth. And Ibn Arabi, when he talks about these letters and how they're formed, it's a very, very long passage. And he's talking in great detail about every letter spinning through from the throne to the kursi and then through the planets. And you have to, and you're thinking every single letter is coming through all of these planets until it hits the sky of this world, and then it comes down to the earth, and then it comes into the chest, and then it goes out and makes a, a single letter. And you think, this is an awfully complicated situation, our system for getting letters out there. But it's in a sense the same way when we look outside, you see a, a mineral, you see a stone, it has a long, long history of where it's come from and where it's going. So these letters have a long history of where they've come from and where they're going. And so just how every letter, every breath from the chest is going to go through every single letter before one letter determines what its sound is going to be. One place is going to determine what its sound is going to be. So these letters are all coming through. And Ibn Arabi connects letters to numbers, numbers to uh, and then letters and numbers are connected to also divine names. So when we look at this chart here, you start with the Aleph down here, and then the Ha, Ayn, Ha, and then go all the way to the Mim and the Wav at the end. And it's a circle, because it's all going to come around again. And so the A is the Aleph, which is actually unseen until it becomes a Hamsa, and that's a vocalized Aleph. And so that's the first breath, the ah sound. Then we get the ha sound, the h sound, and then finally the wav sound at the end, the oo sound. So we have the, an un, invisible ah lif, 
then it goes to the H and then the U. So that's where the who as a circle, because it goes around and around, uh, because this whole process is a circular process and circles are the first places that accept form. And then uh, Ibn Arabi connects, this is the order of the alphabet. See, we say alphabeta, alphabet, alif ba, or alif bet. Um, but the, the order that the Arabs originally put down the letters was just what Panani did in Sanskrit. And that is the, the order of the letters is where they come from the, from the mouth and the throat. So the alif then is the pen, the ha is the tablet, tablet, nature, dust, body, shape, throne, and so on. So the rayan here, this fifth letter, corresponds to five, corresponds to body, corresponds to outward, Zahir, the divine name outward, and then goes, it comes from the soft palate. So the divine names which are coming, that which all sounds are coming through, are the initiator, the resurrecting, the inward, the last, the outward, the wise, the encompassing, in other words. And then Ibn Arabi will continue that the speaking is the same imagery as writing. So the pen, the pen impresses the tablet and impresses here works uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, when you want to impress someone, you want to make a stamp on them. You want to make a mark on them. And we say in English like, oh, that's going to leave a mark. So we back, back to the idea of kun fayakun, be and it is. Uh, the same way that kalima is a kulma, a wounding, in the same way the pen, when it scratches the tablet, it scratches the tablet and, dr and drops ink. So it does two things. It scratches and it drops ink. So it impresses and puts ink. And this metaphor is so beautiful, it continues to work uh, in, the, in, the, in the era of inkjet printers and other kinds of printers, laser jet printers. So a laser jet printer is a strong radiating light that hits out through a form and hits the page. And when it hits the page, it makes it impress and heats up that page and it makes, it drops some uh, fluid and makes a, a page, a, a, a letter. And when you're writing, each letter is uniquely formed. And the same way with the printing press, because as the day goes on, the, the metal of the printing presses will expand. And so each font uh, is actually not going to be <clears throat> exactly the other font. They will always be changing. And just like the mirror, where the meaning is beyond the image, that the, when I see the image in the mirror, that's me, it's not me, and it's not not me. Its meaning is not sitting there behind the mirror. The meaning is where I am. So when Huck looks at the mirror, where you've asked where the meaning, meaning is. And with the shadow play, the same idea, the shadow play shows us what the, the puppets are doing, but it doesn't tell us uh, what, the, what it means. And meaning, therefore, is beyond the screen. And speaking, you make a bunch of sounds, and the meaning of those sounds doesn't emerge until someone can make meaning of it, can make sense of it. So the letters themselves and the sounds themselves do not contain meaning. They cast a shadow, and there's a meaning behind them. And the same way with writing, when you write something, these scriggles on the page don't mean anything until someone beyond the page can read them and say, this is what it means.
And Kuhn, uh, eventually we're going to have to look at that. Kuhn is the, is the, is the way everything is generated. And you see the, the feather and the ink pot. So the feather is the kaf, the k, and the, and the ink pot is the n, the nun. And the wav, the u, is inside right now, inside the womb, in the ink pot. So the pen dips into the ink pot, comes out dripping ink. The ink is, is the pen scratches the page and puts ink on the page. <clears throat> and then in human reproduction, uh, the womb is the paper and there are ridges and the ink is scratched and dropped into the womb. And in agriculture, you have the fur furrows of the soil and they are furrowed. And then there's a scratch that goes on there. The seed is placed inside and things start happening. So now let's uh, go to the next slide. And we'll be looking at Ibn Arabi. We'll talk about Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. You alone do, do we worship and you alone do we seek for assistance. Now, if we look at slide two here, uh, we've, we started with the we. With the last slide, we ended on the we. So we're going to look at the question of why that is we in the Fatiha. And Ibn Arabi says, learn that you, the human being, are a universe in yourself, immense from the perspective of the meaning dimension, even if you are insignificant in bodily size. So the puppet is insignificant in bodily size, and the shadow that it casts is insignificant in bodily size, but its meaning is of immense volume or value or quantity. And this is why you say, you alone do we worship with the noon of the first person plural. He made your limbs and faculties outward and inward to be sites of submission as the ones in front of them rule over them. And they are the binding intellect, which is linked to the man in you, and the breathed in soul, which is linked into the woman in you, so the masculine and feminine in everyone, and the lower self. Each of them may lead the congregation at some time. So the woman can lead and the man can lead and just watch out for the lower self leading. That becomes the problem. And here the lower self, when it comes to the uh, prayer is, in a sense, the two-year-old. And so the tyrannical two-year-old uh, should not be the one leading the, the whole of you, who you are. So it's good to locate the child in you, but it's not always a good idea to let the child in you be the leader of you. So we'll look at body morphology and letter morphology. So we were talking, the, when we look at the shadow place, we're asking what the puppets look like. When we're talking about the mirror, we're asking what the mirror is shaped like, because if it's a convex mirror or a concave mirror, the image is different. When we're talking about speaking, we're asking what the shape of the throat and the mouth is. And when we're talking about writing, we're asking what is the shape of the pen writing, the handwriting. So we look at body morph morphology here. Now the definition of, of the female, the semantic field of the female is ar anisa, which is the ground which is fertile. And it's the soft land that produces much herbage. And it's called 
Also, we say female iron, when the Arabs say female iron, and a sword that is not cutting or sharp. On this other side of the pole, the polarity here, we have male, zakara, and male is strong and vigorous. It's defined as stubborn and disdainful, sharp iron edge, and much talked about. Now, this is, we're going to keep that in mind. The male is the much talked about one. And then between the poles, we have the juntha, the, the, uh, that people call intersex or the third sex or different names. And the juntha, linguistically, is limber, delicate, tender, having what is proper to both sexes. So this is a spectrum of sex um, from, from male to female. And when you look at body morphology, then we can see that uh, there is no normal distribution. So Ibn Arabi uh, would, does not accept what we have done in the last 200 years or so with normal distribution, which is what is made for industrialization. So there is no normal, there is no place that everyone should be and you're off the curve. See, a normal curve, a bell curve, what's interesting is that none of the dots, none of the data points are actually on the curve. And so it makes a unattainable, unreal curve. Say so this is what people ought to be. Uh, men should be this way, women should be this way. Well, when we look at body morphology, Ibn Arabi loves to show us how that body morphology changes throughout your life. So most infants are kind of on the red side of this pole. Um, uh, there are not many you know, infants that come out and, they, and, and you say, oh, that's a woman or that's a man. It's a, it's a fertile field. It's a soft field. It's not a sharp cutting sword. And then when you get to youth and things start changing, and again, people are all over the place on these poles. And so uh, how you're defined uh, by how, you, how, your body is, how your body is, is not going to be the same as a fixed place uh, checkbox that you make. And then the rising sap time. And the rising sap is Ibn Arabi's way of, he, he really looks at plants when he's talking about sex. And I couldn't really understand that until I, uh, a mentor of mine in Malaysia, she's a, a botanist. And so she would have me look at flowers and all of a sudden I began to see flowers. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's this erect, this, this erect pistol. And then there's this V-shaped curvy well. And you begin to look at that and you realize that this is the most, you know, that I, every time I look at flowers now, I say, oh my goodness, have they no shame? Uh, and that's this rising sap time when the trees, the sap is rising in them and they're just, it's time for sex. And, he, and I've walked out to the forest and seen the plume, the, the pollen or the seed bloom, a plume, I guess they call it. And there's a puff, it's a puff. And then all this spreads all over the place. And you say, oh my God, don't do that next to me. And so Ibn Arabi says, if you could see the passion of the tree for another tree, then you will understand what I'm saying. And so he talks about the passion of the trees. And so it makes you think next time you pick up pine cones, what you're doing. So then the spectrum of sex and the spectrum of species. So all the letters are species and, all, and we're in species. Um, and yet we're also combining of all things. So Ibn Arabi will tell us that there's minerals, plants, animals, human, and spirit. 
And then it'll say with great delight. And then there's the mushroom, which is neither a plant nor a, a mineral nor a plant. It falls in the middle and moss. And the date palm has as many qualities of the animal as it has of the, of the plant life. And then the ape, the animal, human. And then the human and spirit, the barzakh, or the membrane between them, is Jesus, who is uh, human and spirit. And so uh, because uh, Jesus would fast for 40 days and stay awake praying all 40 days, people said this looks like al-hayul qayyum, the one who is living, the one who is self-sustaining. And Ibn Arabi says, so no wonder they thought that he was God. And so letters have morphology as well. So letters have infant, youth, rising sap, and old timing as well. So if you look at this one uh, set, we've got a verse from the Surah Al-Ikhlas, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ now the pronunciation when lam yakun that that there's the uh, let's go off the bottom here lam yakun you see I put n with a with a arrow to the l because the n is assimilating with the l so the proximity of the l makes the n turn into an l and when you look at the vocalized um, verses in Quran when you see the l here that lam lahu has a has the shadda, the tashtid over it, the, the W over it, which means it's a double letter. So the N has transmorphed into an L, and then the next word is starting out with two L's. Just the way we say, instead of saying min rabbihi, we say mir rabbihi. There's two R's in rabbihi. So the pronunciation is walam yakullahu kufuan ahad. And then I have in the, between the two verses how the N very easily can shift and shape into the L. So we're uh, slide four. Okay, I think um, after this we might have Nelahi, but let's start with this. So we'll be looking, this is a chapter that Ibn Arabi started right, was when he wrote it, I've read it how many, how many times? And then once it suddenly occurred it suddenly came to me that what he's really doing in this chapter and it's a, and it's a, because it has a shifting of tone all the time and i would think and I, he keeps talking about th things with shifting of tones and it got very confusing and i and could never really get feel that i understood what was happening here and what was happening is that it turns out that he is uh he is initiating and he is uh he's he's starting to heal us. He's starting to heal men and women. And that healing, uh, for instance, he'll take the verse that we all know, uh, the men have a degree over the women. And so he uses it one time, the men have the degree over the women, and he begins to talk about it. And it's like, oh, you know, you men are so special. You're so great. You've got this degree over women. You're, there's something really neat about you. And then I'll use it again, uh, and I'll say, the men have a degree over the women, and I'll say, and that means that the women are in a different degree, and the degree that the women are, the mothers and the and women are, is in a degree which is so much more valuable than the other degree. And you think, oh, now we just <laughs> switched that one around. Uh, and so that, be, that men have a degree over the women mean that men's degree uh, is not as valuable. 
And so you think, where did that come from? And what's he doing with that? And he's okay, he's trying to, he's doing some healing right now. And then he has a third one. He'll use the, the men have a degree over the women and it'll say, and to make up for this and to counter this, the woman has the feminine forms have extra letters. And you think, well, okay, extra letters, you know, to, to balance that the men have to degree over women uh, might sound kind of silly at first, but then, you, of course, we just talked about how these letters are coming from the cosmos and how they're numbers as well. So that, that so feminine having more letters means has more quantitative value. And because we know that all letters are casting meaning into another place, that means that the meaning is more immense on that side. So here he used the same verse for three different reasons, three different purposes. And this is part of the differentiated address that, is, that Ibn Arabi tells us to be focused on in the Quran, the differentiated address. And so, and so we have that this, this one verse has, can be, uh, he gives it to the, for the men to heal them, gives it to the women to heal them, and then gives it again to confront that and give something completely different. And it's the same verse. And so this is why uh, we want to be focused on differentiating the address. When the Quran is speaking to you, what is speaking to you, who is speaking to you, and what part of you is being spoken to. And this is why we turn to the heart of Quran, we turn to uh, translation that Sheikha does, we to see the fullness of these verses that they are spoken to at many different levels. So let's start with the deep hurt of the masculine. So uh, Ibn Arabi has this passage here, and I'll summarize it by the deep hurt of the masculine is not being needed and never a glance directed at us. So this part of the, of the chapter, he, when he's, he starts using us, and he wants us to hear this is us men. So we'll need to look at that. And part of that, well, the verse that we look at is, has there not come over man a moment of long time when he was not a, even a thing mentioned? A mathkur, not even a thing mentioned. And remember in the last slide, the definition of male is the one that's talked about. So this is a, a verse, in a sense, addressing, hasn't there been a time when you males have not even been talked about? not something to even talk about. So Ibn Arabi writes, Eve is a site for descendants and the emergence of the entities of children. And in the same way, we men are the sites of the emergence of actions. Therefore, the action, even if it belongs to God, does not emerge visibly except in our hands. And it is not affiliated to physicality except through our physicality. So if we men were not a root system, a womb system, derived from ar-Rahman, so rahim, a womb, womb, womb system derived from ar-Rahman, the divine correlation of actions to us would not be valid. It is so correlated only when there is the fact of our being devoted slaves of his. So he's telling us men that if you are a devoted slave of ar-Rahman, then the actions will be correlated to you and you will be someone who does. And this is a great desire to be active and to be acting. And it can only happen if we are devoted slaves of his. That is that we have nothing on our side, only devoted slaveship to Arahman. 
and the maula of the people is among them. Thus, our dependency on who is the dependency of the constituent part on the whole. And if not for this measure of correlations of acts to us men, <clears throat> divine izzat, inaccessible, <clears throat> excuse me, inaccessible majesty, and absolute independence and lack of need for us men would mean never an affectionate leaning towards us and never a glance directed at us. And it's so uh, geographically or geometrically beautiful that the verse that starts out, has there not come over man a moment when the, he was not even mentioned? The next verse down here on eight, they give food for the love of him to the needy and the orphan and the captive. So if you men want to be recognized and mentioned and acting, then first you have to be a devoted slave of his. And second, as a devoted slave, you give food to the needy and the orphan and the captive. So that's how Ibn Arabi is going to look at how men, uh, what, where their healing comes from. And then the deep hurt of the feminine is not being recognized as beyond valuation. So let's go look at that. And the verse here is, They are not measuring or evaluating God with his true valuation. They have not valued God with the rightfully deserved value of who. So Ibn Arabi says, If there were in the high vantage point of the feminine, only the application of the that to God and the application of the divine adjective, sifat, and both of them are feminine words, he says, as a mending restoration for the heart of the woman, which heart one among the men who has no knowledge of the matter broke, it would be enough. So this is the Arabic style where you don't say that last part, but we have to put it in there. It would be enough. So the application of the zat, of the essence or that to God, and the sifat to God, and you can keep going. And Ibn Arabi loves to keep going. The hadrat, hadrat is she. Uh, the huwiya is a word that is a feminine word. And so he'll make all these passages where all you hear is she, 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 her, her, her. Uh, and you know what a break that is for not having to hear its and he's all the time. And the lawgiver has forbidden us to think and speculating about the zat of God, but he has not stopped us from discussing the tawhid of God. So men are supposed to be spoken of, the masculine, but the feminine are not to be thought about, speculated about. And so he says, so know that there is no God but God and ask for forgiveness for your offense. So Ibn Arabi says from this verse, and the offense here is whatever thought suddenly occurs to someone who is examining the oneness of God, such as seeking his what he is and his truth, and the marifa of his thought, which is not knowable. Thinking about her is prohibited because of the tremendous majesty of her value and a lack of correspondence between her and what is presumed to be an indication to her. So no thought can make her imaged and no intellect and that's male intellect, can bind and define her. No, hers is the sublime majesty, the Jalal, and the tremendous greatness, Talzim, 
no, it is not possible for her to be sought by Ma. What? Now we have some Urdu speakers here and they will tell you that the word Aurat, which is, has become Orat, the word for women in Urdu and other languages. So Ibn Arabi talks about this idea of Aura, uh, which, comes, which starts with the idea of that private part which can't be seen. And so the men and women, men and women have aura. They have places that they have to cover up. Um, and, the, and then Ibn Arabi links this to the word awar, which is a, another part of the same root. And it's the one-eyed man. So the metaphor for aura is that which the one-eyed man should not look at, such as the statement of God, I was hungry and you fed me not. So Ibn Arabi has a list of Hadith Qudsi, these statements of God, and verses in Quran, which the one-eyed man should not look at. And so what he's saying here is that these are things that need to be covered up. And they cover up, they are covered up not because they are shameful parts, but because they are sacred parts. And so we cover up the Zat of Allah, not because it's shameful, but because it is sacred. So alhamdulillah. So we'll take a breath there, a pause. Uh, and if Bhakti is, oh, I guess she just, uh, Bhakti, what about 63 for Nilahi? Uh, would you like it now? Yeah, let's let's do it now. Let's, okay. So sixty-three. So let's um, let's we can all be absorbing some of these healings, and while we listen to this Elahi, inshallah. Thank right. you. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Thank you. That's so nice. And you have great harmony, of course. <laughs> uh, so that's the, the concept of this. We, so everyone is going to be holding some, some traumas. Uh, and in fact, Ibn Abi tells us that the first trauma is coming with the word be. And so this is a long and continual state of trauma. And so in a sense, in a sense, we're like spiritual athletes, and we need to have our trainer next to us a lot of times to help us not continue to injure ourselves while we train and train. 
So the way that we help our, the trainer tells us how we should uh, train ourselves and to keep ourselves protected and healthy is giving food to the needy, the orphan, and the captive. We talked about thinning the membrane. So that's being present at birth and deaths. Training your horse to have adab, ta'adib. Playing with your partner. Shooting with the bow. And sharing with a friend. So let's look at the sharing with a friend part. I've got to pull it down a little bit, I think. Okay, here we go. The faithful are abundant to their friends. So this is the hadith. The faithful are abundant to their friends. When you are alone with your worries, they become magnified. But when you find someone to unburden you, you can divide them up and you can find respite and you can feel lighter. So the other has helped you by attending to you with the worries you placed on them and their response to you in a way that delights you. And they're sharing with you in evincing the expression of pain when it is experienced. This one is the true friend, the true supporter. It is just as was said in this famous Arabic proverb, my true friend is the one who divides up and shares with me my worries and launches against the enemy coming to assault me. And another said, again, another famous Arabic, old Arabic poem, when the heavy burden is divided, desperately watching over creation becomes easier on the next. So this is, so riqab means desperately watching over and riqab also means next. So desperately watching over creation becomes easier on the next. And we say pain in the neck, right? Helps you with your pain in the neck. The body-based tabib, this is the person who is the physician, a person knowledgeable about goodness, the tayyib. The body-based tabib heals sickness by increasing what is deficient in the mixes, akhlaq, and decreasing what is excessive in them until balance is obtained. And the divine habib, tabib heals the characteristic, the akhlaq. So you have the akhlaq and the akhlaq. And, lower self, and the lower self murmuries and anxieties using vicar and good counsel. So lower self murmuries and anxieties. That's that self-talk, negative voice in you, or the negative part of you saying, la, 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 you know, the whole murmuries problem. Good counsel by increasing awareness of higher matters and speaking of the felicity of the one who incorporates these higher matters. And the praise that comes from God and from people and from the higher spirits coming from one's becoming aware of them. All of this will be supported by the articulate soul, the higher self. And this thicker will be for her like a helper assisting with peacemaking in this mixture which had gone astray. The helper becomes a seer for the overseeing tabib looking at the imprinted nature of this body and looking for peacemaking in whatever became unsound there. This is why some of the physicians prescribe for the sick who have particular sickness, the practice of listening to affecting melodies and seeking out beautiful places liked by them and looking at the variegating colors of flowers and watching bubbling brooks and listening to the warbling of birds like the nightingale and others. And then Ibn Arabi has a long list of, of uh, body morphology, letter morphology, different kinds of balances. And what he's getting us to see is that each entity, each letter has its own truth. 
So if you straighten up a letter and uh, it, it could, it, that's curved, it's going to break. So a curved letter to be correct and right has to be curved. Um, and, and every entity, every body has its own balance. So you can't just say, this is a good uh, medicine, everyone should take it. Because what, is, what I need is not what you need. And the balance that I get will not be the balance that you get. But we can both be in balance. So we can all be in balance, but none of those balances will be the same. So there's no normal distribution. There's no normal. So after this list of balancing, what looks balanced, he says, all of this, say the wise people, is the most balanced of character and the most perfect and square against this was created our master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in order for complete perfection in configuration to be authentic authenticated for him just as the complete authentication of step level is his that is the salat messengership thus he is the most perfect of people in all respects outwardly and inwardly so this is the balance so the letters can only come out when they find balance. So if our throat is constricted, the words can't come out. If the throat is overextended and, and expansive, then uh, no, no articulate sound can come out. So uh, constriction is not good or bad, and expansiveness is not good or bad. Balance is what we need in order to be able to speak. And so balance in all things. And so this is also where Ibn Arabi gets this, that we are the children of the moment because every moment is changing. So the question is, where is our balance in this new moment? And this is why there can be no judgment of other people because we don't know what is going to balance them and what will unbalance them. And what's good for me might be unbalancing for you. And so uh, if we look at this, Everything is going in this circle. So now we have la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. And you see the R here, Muhammadun is an N, but the N gets close to the R and the N becomes an R. So Muhammadur Rasulullah. And so la ilaha illallah. And isn't it wonderful, these, these different calligraphies. So you can see how the L and the A, the L and the A, wrap their legs around each other. And Ibn Arabi has this beautiful sections where he's talking about the love of the alif and the lam, the A and the L, and how they wrap their legs around each other. And it gets a little wild. They wrap their, their legs around each other. So all letters change in proximity to other letters. And what this truth is, uh, if you think, back to this idea of the individual is the thing that can't be divided. And you might have heard, you might, there is a discourse, which is sort of the spiritual pathway. The individual has to fight against everything and by himself uh, discover the truth and, and be you know, one thing. And for Ibn Arabi said, that's not how language works. That's not how religion works. That's not how spirituality works. That's not how writing works. That's not how shadow plays work. In other words, everything around you is influencing you at all times. So letters assimilate with the letters that are next to them. And then there are some letters that never get next to each other. And Ibn Abi says this is because that they came out of the clay 
they were very far apart in the clay. And that if you're very close to another, someone else from the same clay, you're a clay mate. Uh, so instead of soulmate, we talk about clay mates then. And this is how uh, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that when he was on the, the Miraj and he called out, it was Abu Bakr that uh, he wanted, that reassured him because Abu Bakr and he came from the same clay. Um, so this is not the individual, typically masculine way of looking at the world and looking at knowledge. It's a knowledge which is shared in the community and that no, knowledge doesn't exist or doesn't sit in one person, it sits in the community. In the same way, no letter makes sense by itself. And he actually has a long passage about the single letter. There's an argument in grammar whether a single letter has any meaning. And he, and he says, the letters are three. And so there's always the concept of community when it comes to what the letters, how they come together and how they make meaning. And so this, and the L and the A are just one of those beautiful ways of looking at that. And that everything then is circular because the verses of Quran uh, wrap around and circle around themselves. And we have that there is no God, but, but who testifies that there is no God, but God. And so the end, the, the last God is Allah who, so you hear the who again. So now you have to say who is no God, but Allah who is no God, but Allah who is no God, but, and goes on and on. So the circles and the circles. So all of these things are coming through the cosmos from the projector, from the gazer at the mirror, uh, from the chest with the breath, uh, from the cup, the wav inserted inside the, the noon of the kaf noon of kun fayakun. So there we have it. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil uh, I'll go ahead and put up chat if anyone would like to say anything or, or, or speak up. Please do. This is the time. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Oh, good. In the passage um, that you had where we are not supposed to speak or conceive of the Zat, but of the Tawheed, uh, much. So uh, you didn't speak about that Tawheed, what that Tawheed would be that we can speak of and, and contemplate. What, what is that? I mean, we know Tawheed, but what does it mean in this context? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this goes back to uh, Ibn Arabi's, uh, uh, one of his uh, fellow citizens uh, from Valencia. Um, this is Ibn Tufail. And he wrote the, this, uh, the fable which later becomes um, later becomes the adventures of Robinson Crusoe, the adventures of Robinson Crusoe in Europe. So this is 16, 15th, 15th and 16th century in Europe. And uh, it has its own uh, life in, with Daniel Defoe in Europe, but before that with Ibn Dufail, it's the idea that a, a kid can be dropped off on a desert, uh, deserted island and this child can grow up and by looking at things and examining things and using the intellect can discover that God is one. So Tawhid and knowing that God is one is something that's accessible by the intellect. So la ilaha illallah is accessible by the intellect. But Muhammad Rasulullah is only acceptable by the nafs, by something else, this special face of the nafs. 
And so what Ibn Arabi is saying then is that when the reason that we always say Muhammadur Rasulullah after we say La ilaha illallah is because the first is intellect and the second is nafs. And the intellect has its purview, it's things that it can understand or things that he can understand. And then the nafs has things that she can understand. And, the sh and she can understand these things because of reception. And so that's the idea of tablet or clay. And so the tablet and clay is receptive to things which can't be intellectually accessed. And so this is why men are told that the zat is something that they don't have and is special and that they need to learn from and that their brains are not going to work in this area because the aql in Arabic is the iqal, the shackle. And the word definition is to put a fence around something. And so the zat, you can't put a fence around it and you can't shackle it and you can't then define it. So in a sense, uh, this, is, this is why Ibn Arabi always tells us that there are these, we need to have the aql and the nafs. You need to have the male of you and the female of you in order to understand the complete picture of, of la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, please. Um, so the deep hurt of the masculine part of humanity can be healed by giving, right? And the deep hurt of the feminine can be healed by knowing that the, it's not, it, the zat is sacred, not shameful. I'm trying to understand, am I on the right track? Yes, definitely. Because with Ibn Arabi, whatever happens here is what's happening over there as well. So what happens, so the divine God has the same issues as we have, uh, the same issues as we have. How, and so the, the issues that the, we have on this side, the feminine issues on this side is the, is the idea of the Zat being sacred. And very quickly, what happens is that uh, the intellect wants to confine and restrict the zat, which in a sense means to go what, where what is taboo and to go what, to what, into what is taboo and uh, to look at what cannot be looked at. Um, and so that's where then Allah from that side says, they did not evaluate God with the true evaluation. And so this is a, this is a, I don't know what kind of word you want to use, hurt or pain that the divine has, that they do not value Allah with his true valuation, with the valuation of who? Uh, Shaib, I have a question uh, that arises from your answer to Shaykha a minute ago. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and you said, La ilaha illallah can be deduced intellectually. And I think that we can see because the philosophers, actually in philosophy, you can arrive at oneness. But why is Muhammadan Rasulullah the part that, that, that is, what is the secret there? Why is that the part that, that cannot be seen intellectually and, and can only be approached through the good side of the nafs? 
uh, well, that's because he's the complete human and the complete human is completely male and completely female. So the completely male part of him is the devoted slave so that you can act if you are a devoted slave. And the, and the complete feminine of him is the receptivity. And so there's a receptivity to revelation. So the zat and, and the breath coming out to, to speak and to have an effect, to impress someone, is to have a, a place where that truth can be inscribed or written or spoken and the ears hear and all of that. And so then so the utter slaveness, that is the utter receptivity of Muhammad Sallallahu makes him has acts gives him access and and then he tells us what he got what he learned he gives him access to what the intellect cannot approach and these are all of the things the intellect cannot accept so uh, where is god and the and the black slave she pointed up there and and he accepted that as and then who am i and she said you know, you're Rasulullah. And he said, she's a mu'mina, she's a faithful one. So you've got to free her because she's a faithful one. And so, uh, and then God is in the sky and in the earth and all these things that the intellect can't handle. And God laughs. And so one of the companions said, does God laugh? And the prophet told the story of how the God laughs. And then the companion said, we can have, we'll, we will lack nothing to have a God that laughs. <laughs> And so all of these hadith qudsis especially, that how can I, I become the eye with which you see, and, and laughing and wavering and being joyful and being cheered, that God is more cheered by the person who comes to the mosque than the, than the person who has lost the camel and all the water and the food was on the camel and they can't find the camel. And when they see him, that's how happy they are. And he says, God is even more happy with your turning to him. So all of these things with the intellect can't understand they can only be transmitted by a receptive vessel of Muhammad And so this is why we, the receptive vessel then teaches us all these things that, that the brain can't get access to. So thanks, Omar. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. I sent you a couple of questions on your chat. Can you have a look? Uh, and I think the, the, one of the the, I, the questions that, that, that Saima is coming up with the alif and the lam, why are they wrapped around so much so tightly, and why, and and how do all this work? The um, the the tightening of the alif and the lam, and the, and the, when they embrace, and so what what is it gets very interesting because when Ibn Arabi is talking about this embrace, um, he wants us to know that this is this is. Um, these pole, these poles uh, are, are embracing, but the way to describe that, he has to talk only on one side of the pole, and that's and, he, and that's the male. So he's going to talk about males, and so he has these wonderful images of how when when so in, uh, so embraced and entwined together, and they become so embraced that you don't know whether the L comes first or the A. So la, the L comes first, but al the A comes first. And because you can't tell the difference because they're so intertwined, there are two truths here. There's la ilaha illallah, and then there's al ilah, la ilaha illallah. The al ilah, 
illa Allah. So the al and the la, which seem to be contradictory, are actually, you can start with either one and you come up with the same truth. And this, this significance of how, uh, Simon also asked you about the, the verse, about the men are, have a degree over the women. And, and I was saying that Ibn Abi uses this three different ways that the word having a degree over women, if you, to, in one sense, uh, one address, this tells the man something that can heal the man and say that there's something special about you that you should be talked about, you know, because men want to be talked about and that that's all right to be talked about. And that's something that you want to be talked about. And this verse can help you be someone talked about. And then he goes to the second way is that the men have a degree over the women. And he says that the men are the fa'il and the women are the munfa'il. And so the fa'il, the one who acts, can only act on things that are like him. So the, 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 the male can only act on things like him. Whereas the female can receive not only from the male, but from something that's not specially like her. In other words, from God. So Adam, male, the actor, has no ability to, uh, to receive from the divine. The feminine can receive from the divine and from people like her. And so this verse says that having a degree over the women means that it's a different degree. And if you look at it, the, the best that it can be said is that he acts on other people who are like him. Whereas the other degree is the one that can receive from people like her and from what's not like her, from the divine. And then the third time he uses it, the men have a degree over women. He says that, uh, and to make up for this degree, that this, this, uh, this, this degree, women have more letters than the men. And the feminine verbs and feminine nouns in Arabic have more letters than the masculine does. And because these letters are, are also numbers, they have value. And because they also create value, that is, letters create value. This word to, to say that men have to, uh, a degree over women, to counter that, you say, but women have more letters, therefore they have more value. So he's using the same verse in three different ways, to heal the man, to heal the woman, and then to get us all confused as well. So, and that's a good state to be in. Thank you so much. SubhanAllah. Good. Well, it's so good to have everyone here, alhamdulillah. And uh, so we've got our hour and we'll be European punctual, I think. And, uh, and some people will be having stuff. So. Okay, alhamdulillah. Yeah, anything else? I just wanted to ask you one question um, very quickly. I'm, uh, this, this idea of slavehood, I think it's misinterpreted and misconceived. Mis, uh, um, how, how would you, how would you, uh, abd, how would you describe it if, if you would, if you were going a, a step further rather than slave, slave, slavehood and slavery? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's of course a very loaded term and it's, and, and, and yeah. it's excitingly loaded. Um, the reason, Ibn Arabi makes a real distinction between a servant and slave because the servant who serves and khidmat 
the servant can do does that voluntarily and and does it because of what they want to do and so to be a servant is to have some mastery in you rabubia rabubia the mastery in you um so ibn arabi says that that uh, ubudia is the highest greatest state and he says uh and he think, and he says i think there's no one who has reached the station of ubudia like i have and if they have then they are my equal but no one has reached it more than i have um, because i don't have any rabubia in me any mastery in me and so he looks at the because when you uh when we do the prayer there's the obligatory prayer which you are a slave that you must do obligated and then there are the voluntary extra acts that you can do and ibn Abi says now the extra acts what they do is they give you they they give you an approach to the divine god begins to love you and begins to be the eye with which you see the hand with which you hold and so on but he says but look what happens with the obligatory ones and that is uh, back to you did not throw when you threw but god threw so when you do the obligatory salat without any rabubia without any uh, i'm a rab i'm a master then it is the direct communication of the divine to creation and there's no intermediary there's no rabubia in there so exactly what god says comes out and this is why uh the Prophet is Ummi, he's based, he came, as he came out of his mother. So when the when God speaks, what comes out of the of that of the mouth of Muhammad is as it came out when he came out of his mother. No history, no experiences, no adulthood, no maturity, nothing. And so Ibn Arabi, so because then we get this this situation. I used to just keep it in Arabic, the Abd and Ubudiyya. But I kind of want to move away from that. But how that's going to happen is still open. But certainly, I mean, we're, we're meant to, to, because even in his day, there's issues with slave. And, and, his, and, and so he's saying that, that this slave is, you know, talks about such a negative thing. And it's, very, it's negative in the modern Arabic world now as well. But Ibn Rabi says, I am, this, is, this, I am the, this is the highest station, and no one uh, is higher than me in the station of slavehood. So. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you Thank very you much. Very much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for being here. So wonderful. I mean, this is so helpful for me because uh, it's so nice i have i have some of the screens in front of me so as i can see the slide and i can see the whether what's being understood and what's not and it just feels really really good i've learned from the the dars that we've had uh it's taught me you know that how what needs to be what i need to do to be to convey these things and to be the dragoman the one who can convey what ibn Arabi is teaching us so alhamdulillah so if you have to leave and some people are having the sun is setting i think on some people right now and uh, so we all have our own moon and our own sun for sure right now alhamdulillah. and uh, so if, if you need to leave thank you it's so good and things that you have said have, will pop up and uh, for the next next few days until next week i'll be inshallah thinking about all these things and waking up at four o'clock in the morning and saying i've got to say this i've got to say that <laughs> so thank you alhamdulillah and feel free to stay in the chat some more. <laughs>
So, so I, uh, I'll carry on. <laughs> Please do. Uh, so the idea of um, uh, be, because we because we uh, you know as as you said you know the the uh, it's, it's such a loaded word you know uh, uh, slavehood and because of that um, the actual meaning uh, in 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 action um, gets in the translation lost so to, so to speak yeah and so. Um, it's it's where if you if we're looking at say something like the Vedantas you know uh, and they and they're talking about the state this station if you if you will uh, where you are in complete submission you know and so and so uh, the whole the whole idea of salam you know being in that state uh, of submission and the and the and the Quranic ayahs which are related to all this you know salam and qalam mir rabbi rahim for example. Um, uh, or, uh, you, um, where where is that place of Ubudia? Where is that place? And and uh, do we find this in Ahdin Sirat al Mustaqim, or or where? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have to be looking at all this because we actually have uh, in mechanics. In mechanics, yeah. they have a very very nice way of handling this. You have you have a slave cylinder master cylinder you have and and so in other words the slave does exactly what the master pushes it to do and so and so you have that in mechanics just the way in plumbing you have all the all the the sex you need in plumbing you know you got you know, oh you know darn you got the female end and the female and this is not going to work you know, and so, and so yeah. that mechanically or plumbing wise there's a lot of lot there um, and so now is a question of how do you bring this into the non-mechanical world and that's going to be, yeah, that'll be, be a, a real, real issue, how that's going to work, how we're going to do all of that. Um, uh, but these, but it, I mean, I don't want to mistranslate by servant, but it's certainly still looking for a way to handle all of this. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, be... Good, thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you. It's a delight. Thank you so much for, 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 for your presence. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Okay. Shalom, Again. Now, you know, when uh, last week you last... said... Let, well, just, last week you said something, and I thought, and as I was answering, I said, oh, no, that wasn't addressed to you. In other words, the idea of service and having to, and having to be, uh, be humble, that's, we should know that that's usually, it's the men we're talking to, right, on those things. Uh, when you think about, you know, you have the, the, the mask that in the airplane that comes down, the oxygen mask, and you put them on, and it says, put your on first and then take care of your children. You know that that's addressed to the women. So women, put the mask on yourself first and then take care of other people's needs. You know that there's not a man in the airplane who's not going to put the mask straight on his face right away. So you have to remember what things are being are being told to and I remembered so much when you said that I said oh my goodness here's someone who doesn't need to know that lesson I know she already knows this one I think let's hear go ahead and give that and then what Hamida Noor just a minute let's start with, uh,
Did you want me to talk now or wait? Uh, just, just yeah, uh, Hamida, nor wait for just a minute, and oh. and then and our, our sister here will say something. Yeah. So now, um, last week you said when you talk good about someone, it'll affect them positively. Um, this person had passed, and Aisha um, Hazreti Aisha said, "Oh, I you know I." I feel bad that he's in hell because that's what the prophet said, I think. And just, just her feeling bad about it affected his station and made it better. So how does that apply now? That applies to now also. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge, uh, Riada or, or exercise and the exercise is I am according to the estimation of my creature or slave of me so let my creature have a good estimation of me and so this is what Ibn Arabi uses to keep telling us to not be judgmental so in other words we we think the best of the other person and we speak the best of the other person so if I see a person who of course is a mixture of good and bad I speak to the good part. I speak of the good parts and not the negative parts. Um, Ibn Arabi says the Sufis do this because the person, you might die right now and the last thing you said was something negative. So therefore always positive, positive, positive. And the effect that it has is that as I speak of someone positively, I begin to have a good opinion about them or a good estimation of them. And so if someone does something, instead of saying, oh, why was that person cutting in line? I say, oh, no, no. I think that person was probably there because his mother really needed something and he cut in the line because his mother needs her help right away. You know, and so I have a good opinion of what's happening. And the more I have the good opinion of what's happening around me, the more, if the person was cutting in for the wrong reason, they might feel embarrassed and actually then step back and something good will come out of it. Or the person was doing something right, in which case the, the process of this positive feedback keeps going. So this is a beautiful spiritual exercise and that's why we love to talk about ashki and ishq and passion because when you're in love you have a good opinion about everybody all the time. And so that's why you want to be in a state of love is because uh, the other person benefits from it and then the people around you benefit from it and the whole thing just gets working beautifully. So that's why uh, we want to be speaking well of others. And so what Aisha said that he used to take care of his extended family and he used to uh, free slaves, um, that just those sentences, saying something good about the person, ameliorates, makes this situation better. So alhamdulillah. And now Hamida Noor's got something. Okay. Uh, early on in your talk today, you just kind of slid over. That's why Jesus is considered God. Could you could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of what Ibn Arabi does. So put this thing in here, and I'll take a year <laughs> to kind of figure out whoa, what's been wrapped inside that thing. Uh, so so what he says is that that so that by doing these things, uh, and of course Jesus. The other thing Ibn Arabi keeps saying is the fame of of Jesus is 
having a good opinion about other people and other things. And so the story the Sufis always tell is that they're walking by and uh, Jesus's companions see a, a dog, a dead dog on the road, and they say, oh, what a stink that's coming from there. And Jesus says, oh, but what, how white the teeth are. And so that switching, you know, looking at the positive is something that Ibn Arabi says is, is the character of Jesus. Uh, the other character is this because um, when, when Gabriel in the Annunciation, uh, when Mary sees Gabriel, uh, see, Ibn Arabi has said that there's two fluids, the male and the female fluid, but that the female fluid also has its completeness. And so when she sees Gabriel, who is this well-proportioned man, her feelings bring the fluid into her womb. And so that's why, in a sense, the father or the, the, the mechanism of, of Gabriel of bringing the, the fluid into the womb is from spirit. And then, and so then Jesus is a, is a crossroad or a barzakh or a membrane between spirit and human. And so because this uh, seeing and imagining uh, is prominent with Mary, therefore, Ibn Arabi says, the followers of Jesus, they put an image of Jesus in the church, and that image causes them to have these feelings inside of worship and love. And he says the next community that Gabriel comes to is our community that Gabriel comes to, and he says, worship God as if you see him. So the, uh, the image is taken away from the wall of the church and put inside us. So we worship God based on the image inside us as if we see him. And so Ibn Arabi says, and then he says, you know, to look at the two communities, we're both idolaters. It's just one of us, we do the idolatry inside and the other does the idolatry outside. Thank you. Okay, I think we'll can head off. So thanks again so much for being here and inshallah we'll see you next week. And any ideas, just go ahead and email. I'd love to love to hear them and read them. So thank you. Alhamdulillah.